on America Can We Talk. I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgiatos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Bud Light blow-up and the Riley Gaines assault. AOC doubles down on moral lunacy. It's a great term. Uh, Biden versus Thomas. Uh, the Tennessee insurrection and the White House is lining up social media influencers. I cannot wait to tell you about all those stories. For the first five today, I just want to remind you uh, a couple of things that I mentioned last week. One is really, really important, and that is this idea that if you ever get home from the grocery store, wherever you're shopping, and you look at something you bought and you see, oh my gosh, it was made in China. You go through the process. Well, do I return it? Do I complain? Why can't they make things in America? I have an amazing new venture launching right now, this week. I would love to have your help. I'd love to have you join me in this adventure. The short story is that there's a way in America we can begin to stand up for, defend, really participate in saving the country, saving American businesses, which means saving American jobs and American families. This is a great new venture, literally, to get on board with me, which I really, really hope that you'll do, you need to sign up for a call. It is a Zoom call. It is this week, two days from now. It's Wednesday, April 12th. And on that Zoom call, you will hear all about how you can be part of the team, the America Can We Talk team, to help save America, save American jobs, save American businesses. All that you have to do is join the call, hear all about what we're doing, and then decide to, to sign on or maybe decide not to sign on. All that's required of you is a positive attitude, a friendly attitude, a phone and a computer from home. You don't have to go into an office. You can earn money this way. You can, if you join the team, it is money making for you. It's a job from home. It does require love of America. It requires patriotism, energy, and just a friendly attitude, a, a joy in talking to other people. I would love to have you join my team for America Can We Talk in this brand new venture. In order to sign up, go to joinmyproject.org. Joinmyproject.org. I'm probably going to repeat this about 10 times in, this, in today's show and over the next couple of days because the call is this Wednesday. I am telling you, I think it's the coolest thing. I'm already involved. I'd love to have you join. Hear all about it on Wednesday. So again, go to joinmyproject.org. Love, love, love to have you do that. Okay, my friends. So um, I, the first story we're talking about today is this story with Bud Light and the big blow up and the Riley Gaines assault. And you know, one thing I want to, um, I'm going to say about this, you likely have heard all about what's happening to um, Bud Light, the formerly popular beer. Maybe it wasn't so popular. But the idea of it is that Bud Light decided, actually decided to have a, an individual serve as their kind of spokesperson. I'll just say spokespeople, a spokesperson uh, to be on the label of Bud Light. And this um, individual is a, um, a transgender, is a guy who is dressing like a girl and wants to be a girl. And very obvious looking at him, it doesn't really look like a guy, but I want to play for you. I want to touch some very, very important points related to this story about this Bud Light blow up and then contrast it and or kind of draw some points relating to this physical assault of Riley Gaines, an actual woman who is an actually star athlete swimmer who lost out on major competition because 
everyone seems to want to go along with the idea that a guy can just pretend to be a girl and therefore enter girls' sports. So first, let's start with my very fine friend, Emilio, my happy producer. Uh, start with that clip we have. Uh, uh, this is the woman who holds the executive position um, at Bud Light who made this choice to hire this Dylan Mulvaney guy pretending to be a girl. Let's play her interview first. Well, I'm a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. I had a really clear job to do when yeah. I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, mm -hmm. we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what, is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men mm -hmm. and representation is at sort of the heart of evolution you've got to see people who reflect you in the work and we had this hangover i mean bud light had been kind of a brand of fratty kind of out of touch humor and it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach okay so that's explanation number one. If you're wondering how in the world a beer brand, Bud Light, came to be the company in America that was going to feature a trans person on the can and is a spokesperson for this product. Number one explanation is, this is the person, Alyssa Heinerscheld. She's the vice president of marketing for Bud Light brand. And basically she said, you know, beer is kind of fratty, you know, like as in frat boys. So she was trying to make it more inclusive driven apparently by the notion that everyone in the country, especially beer drinkers in this country, could not hardly wait to get a hold of something, some product to make them seem, feel more inclusive. I mean, it was a, you talk about just a, a swing and a miss with, in terms of connecting a product with a kind of buyers, the advertising for a product with a kind of buyers. That's explanation number one. But there's actually a deeper explanation. I really wanna um, delve into this a little bit because a lot of people who still have their head on straight um, understand that this transgender movement is so bizarre. I mean, literally, we went from a country where maybe occasionally you might hear of someone who is considering or wishing they were the opposite gender to where transgenderism is this just monolithic, massive movement assaulting all of society from kindergarten classes through college and every seeming seemingly every corporate board in America and you're thinking where in the heck did this come from where did this come from and so and and you start to think am I the only one who really thinks that maybe there's something wrong here and that maybe we shouldn't be engaging and indulging in transgenderism as the most important issue in America so I'll tell you a couple other places that this trend came from. There's actually a push, as you might imagine, by the Human Rights Campaign, which is the largest LGBTQ plus political lobbying group in the world. And that group, the Human Rights Campaign, puts out a CEI, Corporate Equality Index. It's basically a, a, an index of how we rate your company in terms of your complying with what we think is normal. We think is normal uh, in this world of transgenderism. So individuals, executives at companies like Nike, Anheuser-Busch, even Kate Spade, apparently this Mulvaney character is advertising Kate Spade purses as well. But the point is, it's, it's actual, not just an email from the human rights campaign, but it is a massive push against corporate America to say, you're going to push this transgender agenda. You're going to push this image of America as just, you know, completely smitten with the transgender idea, or we're going to destroy you financially. That is the message that these corporate people receive. And actually, I think I sent you this little list of wokeness. This is their test. Okay, this is their wokeness test um, for companies and how you get 100 points in the CEI Corporate Equality Index Yet workforce protections for people based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Inclusive benefits. You can get 50 points if you include providing health care for sex. They call it sex-sex couples, same-sex couples. Supporting an inclusive culture, 25%. Including gender-neutral dress codes, trans-inclusive restroom and facilities. 
Corporate responsibility, 20 points. Marketing or advertising to LGBTQ customers, which would include Nike and Bud Light pushing transgender spokesperson Dylan Mulvaney. And finally, so that got you to 100 points, those four categories. The fifth one is responsible citizenship, and that is they take 25 points away from you if your company gives to organizations whose primary mission includes advocacy, they say, against LGBTQ equality, which of course means any kind of advocacy for traditional marriage and for Christianity or Christian causes. You can come back to me. So these companies are not really filled with board members, corporate executives who just have are utterly deeply enthused about the transgender agenda. They're actually filled uh, with people who get threatened by these kind of approaches, threatened by, I mean, it's literally massive, massive communication. Um, <laughs> I mean, massive communication uh, from the highest levels of uh, the corporate world, including places like BlackRock, pushing their ESG uh, agenda on all sorts of corporations around the world, threatening to withhold money, threatening to destroy your product, threatening to destroy your company. So you're the executive. You say, okay, fine, fine, fine. These people want to have a transgender agenda person dressed as, you know, whoever, whatever it's going to be um, on the on our um you know, on our, our label, on our box, on our container, on our ads, fine, because they feel threatened. They feel threatened by these kind of, these, this kind of astonishing pushiness. On the other hand, you got, I, what it needs to, if you in America, you want to try to stop this just transgender, uh, just this, this, you know, I can't, a tsunami of pressure on the American society to pretend that transgenderism is healthy and normal and real and stop the pressure on corporations, the answer is for people to step back from corporations who embrace this. If corporate executives give in to pressure from the human rights campaign and the the uh, the whole BlackRock, et cetera, ESG world and, and indulge in this kind of advertising, the answer to them, the other, the fact that we've got to force them to consider is if you don't have any customers, if people won't buy your product, then there's no reason to indulge in this transgender, incredible, forceful effort by the LGBTQ plus community, the human rights campaign. People who do not want to have transgenderism stuck in their faces, forced down their throat by corporate America, the only way you can respond is to pull back and say, and therefore I'm not buying Bud Light. Now I have seen some stories saying, yeah, Bud Light's kind of losing business. I don't really know. It's early on this battle. Bud Light has gone very, very, very quiet on their social media platforms where they usually just, you know, posting all the time, blathering away about all their, on social media, they've gone very quiet. I think they're trying to regroup and figure out what do we do because the American people don't want this in your face confrontational agenda put on their Bud Light can. There's a picture I sent you of, of a, a guy, again, holding the Bud Light can. Uh, there, this is a guy right here. This is Dylan Mulvaney. And this is the guy if you're listening, if you're not seeing the show, this is a guy who's, I mean, at first glance, you think, oh, that's a woman, you know, drinking Bud Light. But actually, it doesn't take very long for you to tune and go, I, I don't think that's a woman. There's something else going on there. But in any case, so this is what's going on with um, the Bud Light story. And I kind of want to tie it into two other things uh, that are happening, all in this, this same talk, topic of transgenderism. Uh, this push against companies uh, like Nike and Anheuser-Busch and all that. Um, these are tactics, tactics that are societal pressure, societal pushing, societal um, manipulation that if you're just sitting back at home and not paying attention, you think, wow, I guess really all along my whole life or for all of human history, transgender, transgenderism has really been here. I just didn't know it. And because you think it's real, what people are starting to realize, it's not real, it's not organic, it's not natural. The whole quest to normalize, legitimize, and, and force down the throat of the American people, the transgender agenda, it is a mission. It is not naturally occurring. Two points about that. One is, this is one tactic that the CCP, the Communist um, Chinese Party, uses all the time, uh, pulls with their citizens and companies uh, to do some, to force them to do something that the CCP wants them to do. 
And so you need to see this mission of pushing transgenderism as it is a, a psychological operation against the American people. I mentioned on my show last week, and I'll mention again, I truly deeply hope you had a chance to listen to the interview I did uh, with Sam Faddis. I'm trying to find the date of that interview. Sam Faddis was on the show last week, or yeah, last week, um, and he's a wonderful uh, former um, CIA operative worked for years undercover, really um, doing these kinds of projects in other countries. And he's written a brilliant piece. It's called The Next Phase of the War, Trans-Terrorism. And this is literally his point. When you watch the destruction of American society, when you watch the breakdown in families and communities just, just across the board in America, you think, wow, how could America be getting so weird? How could all this be happening? In America, he's saying it's not happening naturally. It's the product or an outcome of a mission, a determination by left-wing anti-American forces to divide society, to attack Christianity, to attack families, to attack the structure and culture and fabric of America. That's what this trans—I don't know why I stumble on that word—transgenderism movement is. It is a conscious, manipulated. Uh, psychological operation against the American people. I put this article up on our website again. You can go either to Sam Faddis's uh, Substack. It's called AND, A-N-D Magazine uh, at Substack. And um, read Sam Faddis's article again called The Next Phase of the War, Trans-Terrorism. Speaking of someone who knows how it works, he's telling you this is a psychological operation against the American people. And the last point, I called this topic today, as we got started talking about, I called it Bud Light blow up and the Riley Gaines assault. I just want you to picture this for a second. Riley Gaines and every other girl or guys in America who grow up in a, you know, an American society and they could spend all their time doing what other kids get to do all the time, have fun, go to parties, all the kind of things kids get to do, but they are dedicated to a sport. And so they pass on, they miss out on all sorts of, of just amazingly fun sports, amazingly fun activities in life because they are committed to a sport. So, and, I'm, and we happen to have one of these kids in our family. When, you know, other kids are having fun, doing social things, uh, doing all the things that, but your child is committed to a sport, what happens to you is, as a child growing up, because you realize you're an exceptionally talented child, whether you swim, you're a runner, you're a basketball player, you're a football player, you're a soccer player, whatever your sport is, you live and breathe your sport growing up. You sacrifice a lot of personal life to make yourself the best you can be while you're in high school. So then when you go to college, you may actually end up landing a scholarship to go to college, to do your sport in college. You may even have aspirations to be professional in your sport. Real dedication by authentic women and authentic men, but we're talking about women right now, is it's an overwhelming sacrifice of normal life for years while you're growing up. Enter Riley Gaines, a, an, a, just an amazing swimmer, an a, you know, award-winning, top-notch swimmer in America uh, who went off to college only to be beaten in her uh, swimming events by a guy. And he's allowed to compete against her because he says he's a girl. That's all that's happening. He's just saying, I'm a girl, and our society has entered a phase of lunacy where we go along with his pretend, and let, instead of saying to him, I'm sorry, young man, but you're a young man, and you have to keep on competing against men, where, by the way, he was, was doing and losing. So Riley Gaines has become, among other women, a spokesman for the idea of keep men out of women's sports. No matter what those men think they are, no matter what they say they are, keep men out of women's sports. So Riley Gaines has become really active in pushing this idea that you ought to let women compete against women and men against men because everybody knows there really are only two genders, there are only two sexes, there's men and women, and uh, they just, since time began, men tend to be bigger, stronger, faster. It's just life. It's just the nature of creation. Men are more athletic, bigger, stronger, faster overall than women. So when you let men compete in women's sports, they of course win. So the guy who beat her out had pretty much never won anything uh, competing as a swimmer with other males. Now 
competes as a woman and wins everything. And we all are supposed to nod our heads and say, uh-huh, that sounds logical. Anyway, I want to hit a quick story uh, about this. Um, so she, Riley Gaines, is, is speaking around the country. She went to speak at SFSU, San Francisco State University, and was mauled by a group of transgender lunatics after her speech. Let's quick play that clip. Transgender. Why don't you listen to the tone, though, in his voice? They're, police are trying to escort her safely away from this mob of transgender activists. Attacking her, yelling, screaming. Listen. What they're chanting is trans right here. Trans rights are real rights. It's hard to tell what they're saying. But literally picture a woman who's gone through all of the training to get to be an, a, really probably an Olympic level swimmer. And she's trying to go out to speak truth, which is if you let men compete in women's sports, women will always lose. And what happened to women's rights and equality of women? What happened to the whole idea that we want women to achieve and dream? We, we fought for equality for women to be part of athletics in college. And now instead of letting women do that, we are treating women as though they are you know, just second-class citizens, never again going to win. You have to really picture, women are not going to win swimming competitions. They're not going to win weightlifting. They're not going to win basketball. They're not going to win football. They're not going to win any events if men are allowed to participate in these women's sports. And so Riley Gaines is making what can only be, um, you, you can't even, I mean, it's the most logical pretty much irrefutable idea that if you want to have sports and you want to achieve, if you're a woman and you believe in women's rights, then you've got to let women compete against women. It's as logical as saying the sun is hot. And the thing is that's so bizarre where we are right now in America is I'm telling you, the vast majority of Americans know this. The vast majority, we know that what is being pushed on America is ludicrous. This idea of men, because they want to pretend they're women and dress as women, even though they're still biologically male, are, are able to participate in sports because of a decision they made one morning when they got up. So Riley, Riley Gaines making sense. Most unfortunately for her, as she goes around the country trying to raise awareness, even universities such as SFSU put out a statement in response to this physical assault, physical assault of Riley Gaines pretty much defending the protesters and their point of view. And that is where we are with the, uh, this entire issue for today on um, Bud Light blow up and Riley Gaines assault. Okay, next thing I wanna talk about today, you know, it's so interesting, especially when I get in here um, on a Monday, I feel like, like a million things have happened since um, the weekend started and um, I can't even decide what to talk about first. Um, I do want to, I'm going to bring it up numerous times, and especially if you're just tuning in, I want to encourage you to join in a new venture with me. I invite you, I encourage, I'd love to have you at least learn about it. If you're interested in joining a patriotic pro-America project that you can involves you working from home for 10 hours a week, getting paid for working from home, and all you have to have is a phone, a computer, and a friendly attitude. A, you enjoy talking to people, and you want to try to support and defend and, and just re-energize American businesses and jobs and families and individuals, please consider joining me in my new venture. Go to joinmyproject.org, joinmyproject.org. Go to that website, you sign up, you sign up for a call this coming Wednesday, which is April 12th at 7 p.m. It's a Zoom call. You gotta be on the call to do this deal. 
and it is again this coming Wednesday, April 12th at 7 p.m. Sign up for the call, you get on the call, and then you listen to the idea, listen to this new adventure. I, I think it's an amazing adventure. I'm already into it and very happy with it, but I want to urge you to consider doing that. Please go sign up at joinmyproject.org. It's a Zoom call. You can listen to the whole idea on Wednesday night, this Wednesday, April 12th at 7 p.m. If you decide, nah, not for me, we can still be best friends. We can be best friends. You can listen to my show. You can send me emails. You can come to the summit. You can support the show and not join this. But I really, I, I'm telling you, it's an opportunity. So many people, when I give speeches or I'm in, in any context, people, the number one question you get asked over and over and over is how can I help? I'm so upset about what's happening with America. I'm so upset that China seems to produce everything and that the Chinese army is stronger than ours. The Chinese economy is doing well. The American economy is hurting. Jobs have been driven away. I mean, people see all these things and they ask, how can I help? This is the greatest way you can help. Come listen. Please listen. Again, go to joinmyproject.org. Up will pop the page, fill in your name, sign up for the Zoom call. I hope you'll do it. And, and once we're done talking about it, you decide yes or no, I will be on the call. I will love talking with you. I'd really love to have you do that. Okay, okay. So uh, today on this um, show, we are rock and rolling on. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about today uh, involves uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. And, um, you know, I want to just... I always try to be nice, but on a very, very serious note, Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, I mean, she's a testament to the fact that in America we have elections and that a lot of people will go with someone, vote for someone who, you know, presents something like, hey, everything can be free, you're entitled to free lunch, uh, or you're entitled to whatever the next thing is that they're promising. I mean, AOC seems to have literally the the intellect of a gnat. I mean, of a gnat. I mean, she can't, she's a slogan spewing, openly socialist, quick to attack people person. I mean, she just isn't, I mean, she spews out all the socialist lines. Um, you know, she just is a, uh, There, I have never heard an actual insightful observation made by her, I, I think actually ever. But in any case, AOC has pounced now and announced if no one else does this, she is going to file articles of impeachment to try to remove Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, who is a brilliant, I, I mean, if you, for, I'm a lawyer by background, I'm telling you, a brilliant writer of opinions, a solid constitutionalist, a brilliant man who overcame in America, overcame poverty. I mean, you ought to read his book, My Father's Son. If you have any doubt about where he really came from, My Father's Son is his, his autobiography. So he's, you know, came from poverty, came from horrific segregation. I mean, actually lived as a black man, a poor, a low-income black man in uh, the, the segregated South, lived through that, went on to become an enormously, he's an enormous consequential figure in American constitutional law and American Supreme Court jurisprudence. He's, he's just an exceptional intellect. He is, he's got I mean, as an aside, before I get what type of AOC is all uh, wrapped up about, um, he does, I happen to know them a little bit. I know Ginny Thomas, his wife, uh, a little bit. And so I see different things they do. He has so much loyalty built up toward him by the people who were his law clerks that I am not exaggerating. Literally, people are his law clerks. They have annual get-togethers all the past law clerks show up in Washington. They show up to be part of his the events that he ha that he does because they love this guy. They literally they love this guy, and they show up and they are like family. They enjoy their um, they enjoy getting together with people. They're just it, it is truly an amazing amazing thing that he's managed to uh, build the relationships he's built really over decades as a Supreme Court justice. So what AOC is all bent out of shape about is that there was a, um, it came out recently that he, Clarence Thomas and his wife, Ginny, have had many vacations with 
a couple, they happen to be a Dallas couple, um, I'm in Dallas, I, I know them too, but whatever, who are very wealthy and have taken them on vacations with them. Nice, expensive vacations. And so AOC is arguing that because Clarence Thomas didn't declare these longtime friends bringing Clarence and Ginny along on vacation trips because Clarence Thomas didn't declare that um, as a gift, as a gift that he must be removed. This is literally her argument. He must be removed. And so she's orchestrating, trying to have the idea uh, that they're going to um, try to have Clarence Thomas, literally try to have him impeached. And so uh, so she's saying she's going to file articles of incorporation, uh, excuse me, articles of impeachment if nobody else will. Um, I will tell you, there was a tweet by Jonathan Turley, who is a, who's a Democrat. He's probably even a liberal. He's not a leftist, but he's a Democrat. And he is one of the, the most um, consequential law professors in America. He's at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Uh, Jonathan Turley put out a tweet, which I believe I sent to Mr. Emilio. Do we have that tweet? Okay. I wanted to put that up. I'm just going to read this tweet to you. So... This is AOC, and the article is talking about her saying she may draft Clarence Thomas impeachment article. If nobody else does it, um, she's willing to introduce articles of impeachment against him. And essentially, Jonathan Turley is, you know, without completely dissecting her, uh, which she deserves to be just dissected, uh, wrote on his tweet, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is promising articles of impeachment against Clarence Thomas over the failure to disclose trips with a billionaire friend. Now these billionaire friends, these have been friends, these two people in Dallas have been friends of Ginny and Clarence Thomas for decades, long time close personal friends. So Jonathan Turley goes on to say, there is no evidence that the failure to disclose was either an ethical or a constitutional violation. So the lawyer who actually understands the law is trying to warn her before she makes even more of a fool of herself, there's no ethical violation here. As one writer put it, just because you're a Supreme Court justice or a member of Congress, you're allowed to have friends. You're allowed to have friends. And you're allowed to have your friends take you on trips if they want to. I mean, the argument about money in politics is all of the money that flows to members of Congress who get money from pharmaceutical companies, who then allegedly regulate those pharmaceutical companies. I mean, that kind of money can be problematic if you're interfering with the judgment of the member of Congress because they are pouring money in toward you, uh, whether it is through direct donations or some other cause that it goes through. That kind of money does sway, uh, it can sway members of Congress in their, doing their job to enforce a law or to create laws and to create laws that are relevant and they're actually helpful and honest and with integrity toward regulating a particular industry. But this, this is a guy who's lucky enough to have some wonderful friends who are very wealthy and who want to take them on vacation. Longtime friends. There's no obligation. You don't have to do that. Clarence Thomas, at least according to Jonathan Turley, does not have to declare, hey, my really nice friends I've known forever um, took us on vacation again. And they're nice vacations. I'm, I'm not, it's not like they went, you know, camping at a lake for the weekend. And they're very nice vacations, very upscale, paid for by longtime friends. And as, you know, this one writer is saying, you're absolutely allowed to have friends. But what I really want to get at more than, you know, Clarence Thomas, who I think is just, honestly, he's just a, a paragon of virtue he's, and, and intellect. I mean, the guy is just a, he's way ahead of the crowd in many um, legal scenes. But the bigger thing I want to mention about it was, this is AOC sitting as a member of Congress when the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop, which are is, is a series of indictable misdemeanors and felonies against at least Hunter Biden, probably against the whole Biden family. I mean, millions flowing to the Biden family directly from the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, millions flowing to Hunter Biden and his and the big guy, his dad, and evidence sitting right there available to everyone. Anyone can read this evidence. 
anyone can read the laptop. In fact, if you didn't hear my show, okay, I tried to write down, yeah, okay. So uh, two times recently we had these, this topic uh, in depth on my show. One is if you didn't yet see the interview with Garrett Ziegler, Garrett Ziegler interviewed on March 16th, go to americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, and in that uh, interview you'll hear Garrett Ziegler is the one who took Hunter Biden's entire laptop and put it on into a book and came on my show and talked about all the astonishing level of obvious crimes. And then we had Sam Faddis on the show. Sam Faddis, former CIA operative, brilliant guy on March 29th. And he talked about money flowing from the CCP to the Biden family and what that means. So you have AOC out of her mind over what a, a law professor has already said, you know, give me a break. You're allowed to have friends and there was no ethical or constitutional obligation to, for him to do anything other than enjoy his friends. You're allowed to have friends. But she can't even think of a reason to maybe look into what the Bidens have done and think of the relative consequence. Joe Biden, at least in the terms of Sam Faddis describing the show, he's at, at the very least beholden to and the recipient of millions of dollars from America's number one enemy in the world, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, number one enemy in the world, and recipient of that money. And China has now openly and repeatedly said they intend to take America down. They intend to be the world's single superpower. They are trying to destroy America. And AOC intellect of a gnat cannot figure out that that's more of a problem than whether Clarence Thomas went on vacation. Honestly, people, the country might be destroyed just by the pure moral idiocy of the people we put in office. But I mean, the, the idea that she's wrapped around the axle about literally about a, uh, a, a series of vacations, a guy who happens to be a Supreme Court justice, took with his friends. And I'll tell you something else about this whole CCP thing that's just, just, just making me nutty. It is not only that the CCP is, you know, out to get America, wants to harm America, is completely, you know, completely on track trying to take down America. But look where we are in the year 2023. Pentagon officials, it was announced this week, because we have been giving away our munitions and our military equipment, Pentagon officials are realizing the munitions stockpiles are not big enough to take on China. So China wants to take us down. They tell us they want to take us down. They spy on us all the time. They undermine our economy. They undermine our culture. And we're giving away munitions, you know, to Ukraine. But still, we're depleting our own resources at the hands of a president who is beholden to China. You have what happened in Afghanistan with our leaving our military uh, equipment and, and personnel there. And much of it transferred over to the CCP. That's not even speculation anymore. People are aware of that. We have our government helping the CCP. You have the, the um, president of Micronesia wrote a great piece trying to explain, let me help you understand what it means to say that the Chinese are infiltrating and, and uh, that may just be infiltrating your country and, and, uh, and your president might be actually working for them. You can read that article too at Ann Magazine. I mean, the invasion of China in so many ways in America and AOC is wound up around the axle, you know, about the idea that she cannot believe Clarence Thomas is allowed to have rich friends. Anyway, um, I could do more on that, but I want to just, uh, the other quick thing I want to try to hit uh, in a, just a few minutes, um, I want to talk about this situation in Tennessee. So in uh, the gray state of Tennessee, um, there was a, a battle in their uh, legislature. So let me quick lay the groundwork because we've been listening to the argument that the uh, January 6, 2021 uh, protest at the Capitol should have been considered um, an insurrection. Although, you know, they didn't have any weapons and they didn't do anything. They went inside, made a bunch of noise and left. Let me tell you what happened in Tennessee. So there is a strong push among leftists in Tennessee to uh, remove, uh, I mean, to push for gun control. And so it's naturally Democrats always want gun control. So that's a gun control thing. They're all, they, they want gun control. And so there was a, a Tennessee legislature had, it was in session and two different individuals, three different individuals uh, got up and got a hold of the microphone. You know how they have very orderly process. If you ever watch 
C-SPAN or anywhere. You watch the process for committee hearings in Congress. You, know, you can watch very early rules. You know when it's your turn to talk and all that. So these uh, two men, it happened to be two black men, one white woman, all Democrats, wanted to push the agenda of gun control. But they don't have a majority of people in Tennessee uh, in the legislature and, and, and in the state who want gun control. They don't want it. And so these people got up and would not yield the microphone when their, their time was up. They just, they, it's like they kind of said, you know what? We're going to take over. We're going to demand that we have gun control and you're not going to do anything else in this legislature until we get our gun control. And it was a it created chaos in the legislature. But at the same time, there was a massive protest because the gun control advocates, you think they'd be nonviolent, but they're usually the most violent. But I digress. Gun control advocates violently going after the Capitol, showing up, these three members of the legislature, uh, you know, won't yield time. They're just kind of, they're kind of just saying, as leftists always do, we're going to force you to do exactly what we want you to do. So the Tennessee legislature voted them out, literally voted to remove the two men. Uh, the woman made some concession. Uh, they said, okay, we're not removing you. So this was a, you know, this was a huge deal in Tennessee that they, the legislature, first time in, in many years, removed a sitting member who'd been elected by their constituency because they wouldn't follow the rules. And people are saying, well, you know, okay, so it's a rules violation. I will say, what is really interesting is this insurrection being created by the Democrats. Kamala Harris was all in favor of it and outraged. These people got removed from the legislature. Um, and anyway, we'll do more about the Tennessee story uh, in just as the show goes on over the next several weeks. But I do want to make the point that in the Tennessee legislature, this is the members of the legislature disrupting and in, in accord, apparently, with everyone who's surrounded the legislature and is, you know, demanding to get in and is, um, you know, uh, violently protesting inside the legislature. That seemed to be kind of okay. Um, and so the Democrats get removed for their conduct. And Kamala Harris is down there whining and moaning about, you know, due process and, and the whole idea of letting people be disruptive in the Tennessee legislature if they want to be. And this actually was an interference with, an interruption with the actual orderly process of the Tennessee legislature. So it's kind of, a, um, I mean, I, I will say, as much as I read about it, I think probably the legislators overreacted in removing them, like kick them out. I think you could, they could have chosen a more peaceful path. They could have chosen a different path and just said, you know, we're going to going to have to, um, you know, discipline them, uh, remove them from committees. You can do something less than remove them. But it was such an a ostentatious and forceful and unrelenting push against the due process, the, the order of the uh, legislature, that at least in this case, uh, the members of the legislature just said, you know what, we're, um, we're not going to put up with this. We can't have this. You can't disrupt the legislature uh, just because you aren't happy um, with the, uh, with, because you can't get your opinion uh, put into, uh, you know, you can't force the legislature to agree with your opinion. Anyway, you know, Kamala Harris is down there all outraged and, um, and kind of seemingly kind of okay with the insurrection these two guys pulled, uh, but not with what happened on January 6th. We'll talk, we'll talk about that more, but it was really an interesting uh, dichotomy looking at how she uh, behaved, conducted herself that day versus what she says what happened on January 6th. Okay, um, there is one more um, thing I had an idea of trying to hit on today. Um, it has to do with the White House uh, lining up social media influencers. And I think this is a really interesting story, a really, really interesting um, situation for the White House. You know, I say in this show really often that the more you pay attention and the more you understand what's happening to our country, the more deeply concerned and upset you are about the direction and path of America. Because you just, you, um, you know, you watch as I've talked about in the show many times, a, a primary responsibility of a government in any country is to enforce the borders. We now have a totally unenforced southern border. In fact, we have the White House pushing now new regulations. The White House wants to speed up the asylum process. You know, we only have a backlog in the asylum cases 
because so many people are pouring over the southern border and trying to claim asylum, many of whom have no case as if you actually apply the law as it presently stands on asylum. So we have no border. We now have concerns about the northern border, the border with Canada. Uh, more people than we people realized uh, in the past are coming in over the northern border. They're still ending up in America, and they're still ending up apparently with no legal right to be here. So the border problems, we have just this massive, out of control spending machine spewing out of Washington, just making you know, making chaos uh, for um, you know the the monetary system. You have the announced plan very very soon to put in place CBDC, uh, which is just essentially is communist banking digital control. That's what you should remember. CBDC really means communist banking digital control. It is the government taking control of all money. So you think you have money in your bank account, but it's really just going to end up being a digital account, a digital account. And when you try to make transactions, the government will have a role in whether and how you get your money out of the bank, for what purpose you're allowed to have it, and it will be aware of every expenditure you make. Communist banking, digital control, it really stands for central bank, central bank, digital currency. Central bank digital currency is a real name, but you need to get the word communist in your mind thinking about it. Because this idea of CBDC is a, it's a steamrolling across the world idea. It is a, you know, presented to young ignorant people as, you know, this is just, oh, the greatest idea ever gonna make banking so much easier. It's gonna be just great. And it's not at all like that. It is that, it, you know, it's the way the left sells everything. Uh, let the government take care of it. We'll make it more fair. We'll make it easy. You don't have to be bothered. Your bank account, your checking account. We'll just take care of it all. And central bank digital currency is a massive, massive threat to the future of freedom and the freedom of the American people. That's what it is. So you have CBDC, massive threat, border unenforced. You have the ongoing push of just tyranny from the government with respect to COVID vaccines, upcoming vaccines. You have on the one hand, oh, by the way, by the way, Switzerland, yeah, Switzerland announced they are done with the vaccines. No more forcing anyone, no more pushing anyone to get a vaccine for COVID. They're done. We have vaccine data popping up so often, so frequently everywhere about the increase in um, sudden death you know, died suddenly stories, increase in absolute numbers as reported by the insurance companies, by the health insurance companies, by uh, life insurance companies, that all sorts of people in age groups that normally, you know, have a lot longer to live are dying. So we have massive data like that. We have the data pouring out of VAERS uh, that is reporting an astonishing level of deaths and injuries coming from the COVID vaccines. And you still have the Biden administration, every chance they get to weigh in, to push some policy, to adjust some requirement. They're always back to, let's force these vaccines on people. So we have you know, vaccine forcing, loss of healthcare freedom. My point is in getting at is, we have many, many reasons that, actually one more big one I wanna talk about is the economy. Now the economy is tied to, to everything else, but you have the economy, which is high inflation. Uh, you have things costing too much. You already have a, a massive problem with supply chain. And much of this stems from the far left lunatic Biden administration uh, policy regarding production of oil or lack thereof, you know, not allowing uh, traditional uh, mining, traditional production of oil and gas, you know, all the fossil fuel industry just in the, in the target hairs um, of the federal government, they're going to stop uh, anything related to fossil fuels they possibly can. So you have all of that going on. So you have, and, and the fossil fuel shortage is causing the price of energy to go up, of course. And, and because they keep tamping down on more fossil fuel production, all that means is more and more predicted loss or predicted, predicted shortage. So you have all that happening and the fossil fuel and other just uh, you know, lunatic level of the uh, reliance on the completely unreliable uh, alleged natural you know, wind and solar energy is going to solve everything, sustainable energy. Oh yeah, by the way, Germany now uh, had a massive poll showing even though the government is trying to push 
more and more the fossil the um, ending of fossil fuels and relying on sustainable energy the people in germany have had enough they're saying no to all this and getting around to my point i swear my point in this segment um i'm talking about the white house uh lining up social media influencers because here we're here's where we are we have an election for the presidency next year november 2024 so obviously people on the conservative side, Republican side or not, are, have announced they're running. Um, you know, Trump is way out ahead of everybody, but DeSantis is the second for sure. Um, and you have, you know, other people toying with the idea, saying they're going to run. Some are just so cringeworthy. You almost, you almost like embarrassed for them to report that they declared their candidacy. But anyway, getting around the idea that everyone paying attention understands that the Biden administration is destroying America. I do not mean that in the slightest way as an exaggeration. I mean it, and not just because it's poor policy making, they didn't realize the outcome of something or else they would have done it differently. It's intentional. Everything the Biden administration is doing, everything that is harming America is intentional. It is a choice. I mean, among the other ones I just, I didn't mention a minute ago, another one's the military. We are turning our military into a petri dish of experiments on how many pronouns someone can memorize and whether or not the pro-transgender advocates uh, should be allowed to silence people who don't support them. We have just the, the, uh, the complete overtaking of America's media by this just lunatic leftist foolishness about transgender and pronouns and hurt feelings and race ideology and CRT. And so the military, the, the, you know, still great military, still, you know, love and honor, respect them, but the leadership at the top flowing out of the Biden administration and their top officials in the military is crushing the spirit, the strength, the force, the greatness of America's military with lunatic leftist ideology, just ruining it. So here we are. Nobody paying attention is hoping we have four more years of this. No one is, is you know, organizing pro-Biden, um, you know, rallies saying four more years, got to have this guy, I love this guy. No one's doing that. And even in the last campaign, we obviously all saw, you know, we had Trump toward the end of his first term. You had the four more year chance. You have massive rallies everywhere he goes. You, and DeSantis is gathering crowds. There's never been a crowd other than, you know, protesters who are probably paid to show up at a Biden rally. Nobody's enthused. No one likes the guy. Everyone sees he's destroying the country and he's not running it anyway. It's, it's Soros, it's Obama, it's whoever the whole uh, cabal ilk that's really running America. But Biden wants to run again. He said, he announced again recently, he was going to run again. He is obviously suffering from some form of dementia. He's very, very confused most of the time. Can't follow much of anything, but he wants to run. He wants to run. And so, you know, he's got to figure out, well, who in the world is going to um, get behind him? And I want to tell you uh, what the answer to that is. So Biden has started a plan. Uh, he is bringing to the White House, he is recruiting people who are social media influencers. He had a meeting at the White House uh, yesterday, maybe, or I don't know what it was. He had a meeting at the White House. He's inviting social media influencers to be activists, to join in with his uh, reelection effort. So he wants them to come to the White House and they're going to create like an affiliation with him, you know? So yeah, I get to go to the White House and I'm a big shot on TikTok or I'm a big shot on Instagram or whatever their, you know, uh, whatever their social media outlets are. These people are showing up at the White House and they get to feel like they're insiders to beat the band because they're rubbing elbows with the president and they're going to be influencers. His goal is to get more young people who don't follow anything serious, who don't even know what's happening to the country, to be enthused because they'll think of campaign slogans and cute little sayings and um, edgy little jabs to make at Trump or conservatives or anyone you know who doesn't go along with their agenda. He's cultivating this, and weirdly, I kind of take it as a good sign. He's cultivating this because the Biden administration has figured out, they have figured out that America's not with them. 
This is what I read into this social media influencer, you know, Palooza big event at the White House. And it's not just a one-time event. It's a cultivation process the White House is engaging in. They want to find more and more people who are, you know, kind of, they want to be hip, they want to be cool, they're on TikTok, they might really get viewed as somebody special. So they want to get those people on board um, and so that throughout the campaign, if Biden doesn't get, you know, removed by somebody else in the Democrat Party, which he certainly may, that they've got all their buzzwords going. So what does that mean for conservatives? I mean, if these people are social media influencers and they're on TikTok and wherever else, you know, places they like to go, what does it mean for conservatives? And I'm going to tell you one thing it means. If you gather your information from places that you aren't getting a square deal, you're not getting the facts, you really don't know what's happening to this country. So what it means for conservatives is that people who love America, who love freedom, who love conservatism, who are patriotic, it is incumbent on us to be outgoing, outspoken, involved, going to rallies, going to showing up at a, uh, you know, at a, not just a school board meeting, but school board meetings are big ones, county commissioner court meetings, any place you can be, show up, speak up, be the one saying, I'm going to speak up because I want our country to, uh, to be strong. And you've got to be active. If you like social media, even if you don't like it, learn to get involved, get on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Debbie, can we talk at Debbie, can we talk, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get on TikTok if you can stand it, although I don't do TikTok, but TikTok is one, Instagram is a big one. Be in that conversation, be in the one making comments because this is going to be an army of ideologically fool, ideological fools unleashed by the White House, pushing out the uh, left-wing agenda that the Biden administration is pushing. So our side is a good sign that means he knows he's behind, he's losing, but our side needs to fight back as well as we can. So I close every single day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our day, it seems like a long time ago, start our day today uh, talking about um, Bud Light blow up and Riley Gaines assault. Bud Light chooses transgender spokesperson. Bud Light VP marketing wanted to move away from fratty brand be more inclusive, public reacts with disgust, Kid Rock, I didn't even talk about that, shot up cans of Bud Light video goes viral, uh, Bud Light sales tank nationwide, no signs of recovery, may have killed the brand. All-American female swimmer Riley Gaines speaks out on unfairness of losing to a male, assaulted and held hostage by trans activists who are shrieking like crazed demons she said she was punched by a guy, like a real guy. Police unprepared and unsure how to protect gains from such mobs. Emerging evidence, big money, Wall Street, SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center, pressuring all brands to impose trans ideology. At the core, trans ideology is about Marxism replacing Christianity and Christian morality. Fruits of trans ideology, rising violence, murder, and mayhem know them by their fruits. And then we talk about AOC doubles down on moral lunacy, Biden versus Thomas. Money trail hard evidence abounds that the U.S. is a controlled asset of the CCP. CCP has declared itself to be at war with America, intends to take down America. Total silence from all Dems about the implications of this monumental danger to America. A president acting on orders of America's number one sworn enemy isn't this treason? Yet leftist leader AOC wants to impeach Supreme Court Justice Thomas over fly fishing vacations, apparently paid for by a personal friend of Thomas. AOC's posturing illustrates something far beyond mere hypocrisy or double standards. This is moral idiocy on steroids. America is in profound existential danger if AOC is taken seriously by anyone. And on Tennessee insurrection, Tennessee state capitol legislature apparently breached and disrupted by organized leftist mob, mob demanding gun control after a trans shooter has killed six people at a Christian school. GOP majority in the Tennessee legislature responded by expelling two of the three Democrat legislators 
who were instigators, declined to expel the woman legislator who apologized for her behavior. VP Kamala Harris travels to Tennessee to denounce the GOP actions. Harris did not meet with the families of the Nashville shooting victims, which is an astonishing thing. Biden leftist Marxist cabal is all in to impose the trans ideology, also all in to support an actual mob insurrection in Tennessee versus January 6th hysteria over a non-insurrection. It's a danger to America. Not that Biden leftist Marxist cabal does not see hypocrisy of their actions, is that they don't care. Their mission is Marxist revolution. And on the White House lining up social media influencers, mainstream, uh, mainstream media narratives are not persuading the American people anymore. White House is in a panic. Trump's popularity is increasing. Ukraine war propaganda is not believed. Safe and effective vaccines, trustworthy Fauci, all understood as complete bunk. Secure Southern border, transparently false. White House solution to narrative failure bring in social media influencers to the White House on a regular basis, give them their own press briefing room, give them talking points to explain how great Marxism is. Trust the influencers to do what the mainstream media used to do to prop up the regime. Prediction, this will fail hugely. Ignorant and mindless followers will remain ignorant and mindless. The internet engaged will find truth. Influencer propaganda will backfire. That, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can